Jason Gibbs, alongside Nick Shook and Andrew Grimmel, and this is the bi-week edition of the best podcast available. We're happy you're with us. It is Thursday. The guys have officially scattered. Welcome to the four-day weekend. Uh, it is amazing to me when you take a look at the players and their travel arrangements that they can be done practicing and within 90 minutes be on a flight to somewhere tropical. Uh, tropical. It, it, tropical, yeah. not Cleveland, in, in other words. Uh, but an impressive uh, display of leaving on all of their parts, but a well-deserved four days off. They are 2-4, and four, though, at the bye week. And there are a lot of guys still here in town. There, were, there are guys here at the facility today. The coaches, uh, some of them have gotten away a little bit and or will get away later on today. But uh, guys still in the building and trying to figure out how to turn things around here at the bye week, six games in to the 2019 season. Uh, first and foremost, before we get into our state of the team, state of the offense, state of the defense, a look at special teams, uh, John Dorsey with his bye week press conference yesterday. Gribble, uh, a takeaway or two from what you heard from the Browns general manager. Well, I think he set a tone and established a theme of optimism. And I think that uh, it first came with an acknowledgement of, of not being pleased with what's happened. You're two and four. No one wants to be two and four. Uh, but it, it really hit the same notes that he hit last year at the midseason press conference after they just fired Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley where he said there was a lot of football left, and it proved to be correct. The, the team went 5-3 and three from that point, and that included a game uh, where they had to pick up the pieces and get back on the field against the Kansas City Chiefs right away. Uh, so that was a loss there, but there is a lot of football left. And, and in similar uh, fashion, your first game after this kind of press conference is a very, very tough one uh, against the New England Patriots. It's not one that you can't win. It's one that you're not expected to win. But from that point forward, you're going to have to win most of those games if you want to achieve your goals this season. So uh, I think that he's letting this thing unfold. I, I think there are signs of progress. There's also signs of distress, in, in our opinion. And it's, it's just a matter of, of playing better. And I think that the, the thing that I'm optimistic about is, first off, the schedule gets easier. Uh, and secondly, you look back at last year, this team played probably its best game of the season after the bye week. So maybe that's a byproduct of game planning. Maybe it's just a byproduct of these guys clearing their heads and getting their minds right. But you're going to have to start playing like that if you want to get to where you need to be. And now at 2-4, and four, you got to play a little catch-up. Yeah, uh, I got a tweet today in, in response to something Dorsey had said yesterday that we had sent out on Twitter um, asking, can this team really go 8-2? and two? And, I mean, yeah. If you know, especially if they win this game coming up here, but it's it's good that they do have the extra week to prepare, and uh, you know, take a look at or consider any changes that they might want to make, uh, and then be able to implement it, implement it in time to get ready to play against what is probably the best team in the NFL right now. Uh, they just came off of playing the best player in the NFL right now, at least this year, in Russell Wilson. So, I mean, this is not like they're not they haven't been through a little bit of a fire to prepare themselves. I think that. They're probably going to surprise some people with their play, uh, and I think they're going to be aided by that bye week. So, good time for it, but also it's it's that time where we have to have you know a press conference like this because that's what you do at that you know at that point in the season when you have your bye week and uh, and everything's not rosy here. But at two and four, you shouldn't expect it. A, a lot to get to and a lot to work on over the next couple of weeks. I, I thought it was interesting too, you know the the media asking and 
you know, are you going to make a move? We, we still have another week before the deadline, week and a half before the deadline. And, and John Dorsey said at this time of year, it, it's hard to make a move, especially, you know, the rumors that are out there about an offensive lineman and going after someone on the offensive line. Dorsey said it best. Like, guys, teams aren't just willing to, to part with offensive linemen. They, they have yeah. their group. And, uh, you know, the Browns might have to make do with what they have right now. And it's up to the coaches, as he pointed out yesterday, to get these guys ready to play over these next 10 games. Yeah, it's as much that they have their group as that there's just not the high-quality linemen out there. And and that's kind of a, uh, a systematic issue where, you know, the way that guys are being taught at one level as opposed to the next makes the transition for them to go, for, especially from college to the NFL, and for them to find immediate success. I mean, we just had a similar story, right, you know, with the trade of Austin Corbett to the Rams. I mean, this is a guy who played tackle and then ended up trying to play guard and ended up at center and ultimately was dealt away. So the, the, the learning curve is much steeper on the offensive line, and the transition is not as easy, which is why we don't have as many options out there as you might have at a, as a running back or at a wide receiver or a tight end, whatever it might be. So it's not going to be easy to – if you want to make such a move, it's not going to be easy to strike such a deal. And if you don't, you know, shuffling the deck in internally is not just suddenly a, a quick fix either. Corbett trade, can we talk real quick? Does this yeah. Does this expedite the, the need or desire to lock up J.C. Treader at a longer yeah. point in time? I mean, that's something that comes up. I mean, uh, he's played really well these last few years. And I think you had that contingency plan with Austin Corbett where maybe he was being groomed as the center of the future. Well, now you don't have one. So I, I, yeah. I think that J.C. Treader might be the – the, the the center of your present, near future, and and, dist- and long future. So that, that's something that we might want to keep an eye on here. And in the, in the, maybe it happens in season, maybe it's right after season. But I imagine JC is a guy that wants to to keep playing here, and he's he's played really well. He him and Batonio are not your problems on the offensive line. The the rest is has been the issue, and that's that's an area that we're going to have to focus on here uh, in the next week or so and see if there's going to be any different pieces on that offensive line when you when you line up against the Patriots. Yeah, you know, Dorsey said it best yesterday. He believes that you have to have a strong foundation on both offense and defense, and that starts with the lines. You know, those two lines. Uh, this is what he did during the press conference sitting right here. Those two lines. <laughs> right in front of you. Yeah, right here. Uh, <laughs> are the most important parts of uh, of your of your football team. And I think right now you're getting good performance from one, and you're getting decent performance from the other, but it's not quite where you want it to be in order to have success. And as we all know, you know, once you get to four losses in six games, time, you know, it gets late a little early. So uh, the pressure's on. No question about it. Gribble, were you surprised about the Corbett trade? Maybe by the timing. Uh, and I, I guess you, you take advantage of a situation where the Rams just need bodies at this point because they've been yeah. struggling with injuries. And it, it must have just reached the point uh, where you're like, what's the ceiling of Corbett here in Cleveland? Does he need a fresh start? Uh, and, you know, you, you, you hold on to him because he's a second-round pick, but at what point do you, uh, you cut your losses and, and move on and, and give him another opportunity? I think you, you moved him around at every possible position, and if you couldn't make him an active, if you couldn't make him an active member on your, on your game-day roster at this point of the season, what does that mean about his third season? Or can you even bank on him being on the field then? And then maybe it's part of it's like, hey, we want to keep J.C. Treader here long term, and, and center's not going to be the, the position that he's going to be able to move into as well. So uh, I guess if it, you, you evaluate the market, fifth-round pick, or, is, or reportedly a fifth-round pick for, for the deal. I guess you, you, you make the move and you move on. I think it was telling that 
and, and this is a tease for what's coming up, which is a one-on-one with James Camp and the offensive line coach. But I think it's telling that one of the responses he gave me in that interview was pointing out the fact that the Browns used all seven of their active linemen last week. And if Austin Corbett, like you said, can't be one of those active linemen, then it makes you start to wonder, especially when one of those active linemen, actually both of them are guys you acquired at the start of the season. I mean, yeah. it's not like this, these guys went through camp and really proved something. These are guys you brought in late. That right there proves to me that, okay, maybe you know you go back and, and reevaluate where you are with this player, and I think if you can get value for him, you know, and if you deem it, you know, appropriate value, then you, you pull the trigger, and they did. Hey, it, I, I, there's a lineman after lineman after lineman in the NFL who's been like Austin Corbett, where the first place didn't work out, uh, second or third might might work out for just fine for him. I mean, I think that uh, there's an example right now in the Kansas City Chiefs. The Browns had to move on from Cam Irving. Yep. He's filling in just fine over there. I mean, these guys develop at different points in different times in their career. But now when Corbett goes to the Rams, he's no longer second-round pick Austin Corbett. That's that's the difference. When you go into a different setting, you don't have to deal with that kind of label on you, and you don't have to deal with those kind of pressures. Uh, And You're really going to have to fight for your spot on that roster. Yeah, it's funny. He goes from, oh, this is the guy you spent the 33rd pick on to, Oh, we only gave up a fifth for him. Oh, look, he's playing great. You know, and yeah. it can turn around that quickly, and perception can change that quickly. All right, let's take a look at the offense here through six games. And Gribble, I'll start with you. Give me a positive that you've seen from this offense through six games. Nick Chubb. I think that's. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the best running backs in the league, and I think he's he's only eleven yards off the league lead in rushing. Both him and McCaffrey are going to be off this week, so. They'll fall back to the back a little bit. I'm playing you in fantasy this week, and you have McCaffrey. Yeah, that's okay, though. Uh, We'll still win. You know, we're on a roll. You might. You might. I'm 0-6. But but he's been really, really good. And I think think that's why everyone wants to get him the ball more. Uh, I don't know if you really can get him the ball too much more without uh, running him into the ground. He touched the ball. I think he ran it 22 times this past week, uh, had a bunch of other passes thrown his way as well. Uh, he's been really good, and I think that this offensive line's had its struggles, but they've been all right at, at run blocking and, and opening up holes for him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens once you get Kareem Hunt involved, how you can maybe make that a real strength of your team. Uh, but he is, he's is he been pacing this offense, and, and when he's playing as well as he has, that's why people keep saying run the ball, and it makes it important enough to uh, not fall behind early, not not get in penalty situations where you can't run the ball. That's that's where he becomes so valuable. And I know that uh, I've kind of maybe had this epiphany the last couple of weeks with this offense. Uh, you look at everyone says you got to establish the run, and that's going to help out Baker Mayfield. I almost think it's the opposite with this team. I feel like Chubb's best games with this offense are when the offense comes out hot passing the ball, and then he closes out the game in the second half. You go back to last year, some of his biggest games of the Browns, last year against the Falcons. The Browns come out really efficient on offense, passing the ball down the field. Baker gets a touchdown pass to Rashard Higgins early in the game. Then in the second half, Chubb gets his 92-yard run, helps seal the game. This past year against the Ravens, the offense was really good in the first half throwing the ball. They weren't good running the ball. Chubb didn't, hadn't done much in the first half at all. Correct. They're passing the ball a bunch, and then it's the second half where he comes in and seals the game. So I don't necessarily think this is an offense where it's Chubb first, then that helps Baker. I think it's Baker in the passing game first, then Chubb comes in and helps you out. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and and Chubb is also a guy who gets stronger as the game goes on. And maybe some of it is due to that. But, I mean, we've seen even this year that, you know, he's he just seems to improve as you get in deeper into the second half and you really need 
maybe a run or two to, to ice things or put you in a better situation. I mean, he's he's about as reliable as they come. But I am really intrigued about the potential for coming out in two-back sets and, and, and different things you can do out of the shotgun and maybe out of the pistol once Kareem Hunt is available because that's somebody else that you have to account for. I mean, with all due respect to Dontrell Hilliard and, uh, and Dearness Johnson, they are not Kareem Hunt. They are not somebody where you're looking, oh, that's 27 over there. Uh, let's make sure we keep an eye on him. He could break a big one. And uh, I think it'll make this offense uh, more balanced and, and more dangerous, which could help in the long run because, you know, people talk about establishing the run in part because you want to soften up a defense and you want to keep them from pinning their ears back. And that's totally true. But uh, at the same time, you could do that similarly in the passing game if you can, you know, become a quicker passing game, which is what we saw early in that game. And I think there was a little bit too much emphasis on, oh, my God, Baker Mayfield yet the ball out so quick. He must just only be good at doing that on Sunday, which is not the case. But it does help you establish a rhythm, and they got into quite a rhythm on Sunday. So if they can continue to do that uh, and, and kind of do this reverse logic with their offense, like Gribble mentioned, you know, with the uh, short passing and the quick passing game helping uh, set up the run, then they could become an offense that would be very difficult to overcome because once you establish the, the run in the later part of the game like that, you can control time of possession. And it's a lot better to control time of possession with a lead, obviously, than if, you were at, if you're tied or if you're trailing. So... It could be interesting to see how this offense develops. What's what's one thing, Shook, that scares you when it comes to this offense or worries you through six games? I think right now it's just the turnovers. And, and um, a lot of them have been happenstance. They've been unfortunate circumstances where a ball goes off a receiver's hands and a defender is right there to pick it off. And I think you know Jarvis made a good point when he talked with reporters on Monday, which was, you know, anytime a ball gets tipped in the air in this league, it's it's likely to be intercepted. And I think that's something that you've got to cut down on. Um, being a little bit more on time with your throws, I think, is going to help because a lot of those interceptions, especially last week, were behind receivers. But at the same time, I think that just comes with practice and also comes with comfort. And this offense has not looked comfortable for most of the season. I think they got closer to it in the most recent week. Hopefully you can cut down that because if you can throw those passes on time, Jarvis was open in the end zone when that ball went off his hands. Uh, Dontrell was kind of open in the flat. Um, that one probably is the hardest one to explain. And uh, and then the the first interception on Sunday, which was basically Odell got screened off of his own play, uh, got bumped. That could have gone for a pickup of you know seven to fifteen yards, if not more. I mean, it was there. He just ran into the defender, or the, or the defender ran into him. So. If you can eliminate, it's not that these turnovers are flat-out mistakes. I think that's the thing that people are struggling to differentiate right now. Sometimes they're just that was a little bit off. It got tipped and ended up in the other in the opponent's hands. So, just working on that, I think, will cut down on that, and then we'll allow you to put up more points and, and end up coming away with wins. Because let's face it, you're a turnover or two away in that game for winning that game. Uh, my concern is probably the your passing offense in the red zone, and it's not just the turnovers. It's just there's not. It's like nothing's coming easy at all, and it's the, that's the exact opposite of what happened last year. It's troubling to me that you have one touchdown catch by a wide receiver this season, uh, and I, I just think everything looks difficult. Like even that the debated Jarvis Landry touchdown on, uh, on Sunday, that was a crowded mess. Like that was not like a simple, easy pitch yeah, and catch, sure. and that's not what this was supposed to be when you have guys like Odell Beckham uh, and Jarvis Landry, I know you're missing a, a really good red zone target in David Njoku, but it, it's just everything is a struggle once you get inside the the 15 yard line. It's almost like it's almost like I'm grimacing when you have first and goal at the eight. Yeah, like I don't. It's like I don't like. <laughs> Why didn't you score I don't already? Feel, 
I don't feel comfortable with that. I, it's like I need my first and goal to start inside the four, and then I know you can just run the ball with Nick Chubb uh, a few straight times. So it's just it's when this team goes four or five wide with limited space, it, it just feels like there no one's getting open. Nothing's. It's just it's been a grind, and I, I think that's the. That's the thing that worries me because you do have to throw the ball in those situations. You can't just rely on Nick Chubb to run every single time. And really, I just can't think of an easy pitch and catch we've seen all season uh, at that spot in the field. Are, are we overthinking it? I don't know. I, I just don't know. It, it, just, it is it's, a huge head scratcher it's good yeah. because of how easy it came to us last year. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't, it, it's, it's got to be a matter of timing, precision, decision making, all of it. And you're just not. You're just not having the same success throwing the ball uh, in that red zone area, and, and that's that's concerning because you have to do that to be able to win. Yeah, I think it's the five-wide scenario that Gribble just drew up that we've seen probably too often inside yeah. the 10. Uh, it limits you because of space, as he said, but I mean, all you're going to get is a bunch of different crossers, basically. I mean, you can get a fade to the corner, but how often? I mean, we even saw that uh, on Sunday there was a fade on third down thrown toward the pylon that really didn't have much of a chance. I mean, in, in those situations, you it's obvious that after the fact you're going to sit back and go, oh, just pound it four times from the four. It doesn't mean you're actually going to get four yards, but it also makes you wonder, well, you know, are you trying too hard, I think? Are you trying too hard to uh, to outmaneuver your opponent when maybe something simpler might end up working? And I think it's a case-by-case basis. You just have to go on feel. And I think Freddie is still kind of learning, uh, that more, getting more comfortable for that feel as he continues as a head coach. For more on the Browns' offense, namely on the Browns' offensive line, Nick Shook, offensive line, defensive line, extraordinaire slash expert had a chance to sit down with offensive line coach James Camp and have a listen. We're through six games here. A little bit of an up and down season so far, but how has your position group performed so far in your opinion? Uh, You know, I think there's a, there are some things that we have to, you know, continue to improve on. I think they've done a reasonably good job of uh, run blocking. Uh, Those things have, have, you know, we're progressing in that. We certainly have ways to go with that and, you know, the protection is usually a component of a lot of different things, and we obviously need to improve in that area. But you know, I'm seeing a lot of improvement from guys and, and things like that. So, what about in protection? You know, it's it's kind of been you know, like you said, based on defenses and the fronts that they're giving and, and the pressure that they bring and the type of stunts and everything that they're going to do. It's been a little bit of a of a different story on a week by week basis. But this most recent week, you faced a pretty solid you know front and uh, didn't allow a sack. So, what went into that? I think that the guys responded very well from the week before. And, um, you know, we faced a lot of tall people for the first time. Everybody was really tall at Frisco. And we just got out of our fundamentals. You know, we got we played high with linear people, and that's a big mistake. And so I think that the it was a conscious effort to to make sure the tackles played lower, longer. Those are tall, you know, Clowney and Ziggy are very tall outside. and. Um, I think they responded well and, and, and performed better. As a coach, when you're facing those longer defensive lines, what are you telling your guys to do in order to keep their hands down and keep them from batting passes down? Well, I mean, just you have to play lower than them, and you can't you can't rise up when you're when you're setting and those things. It just it seems like it's such a simple equation, but it's 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 difficult when you're seeing numbers and stuff. So you just you work on targeting and some of those things to get better. What do you want your guys to do with this bye week? How do you want them to spend it? Um, what do they need to focus on, both in the film room, on the practice field, and, and then with this break that they're going to get? 
you know, I think it's just like what Coach said, you know, and I'm sure he, he is, I don't know if he's addressed the media with you all yet, but he, you know, you got to focus on yourself and, and we have to have, you know, self-improvement, self-belief and, and what we're doing and, and how we're going about our business and how we're going to, you know, make the, get the problems corrected. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. And I think at the same time, you know, when you're there away from here, when they have their three, four days off, whatever that is, you know, it's easy to say, well, just don't think about football, but you know you're going to, you know, but, you know, think about the things that you can control and correct, but also, you know, it's not a bad thing to think of the good things you've done, and so you can remember those when you move back into this thing full swing when they come back on Monday to, hey, we're ready to go, you know, um, uh, it, it, things things are going to get better, and we ha- you have to believe that. Speaking of the good things, you already mentioned earlier, um, you know, they've blocked the, for the run pretty well. What have you liked about them specifically in their zone blocking? As far as the gr- our group here, um, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, we've done it. We've done a pretty good job of run blocking. Now there's been stuff that you just go, oh, my goodness, you know. But we've left a lot of yards on the, on the field there too. But, I mean, it's a whole a combination too because receivers have to block. The running backs course. I mean, the tight ends are blocking. And, it, you know, schematically it's it's – we can drop anything, X's and O's, but if if any of the positions, including the line, does aren't fundamentally sound, well, it's just X's and O's. You know, you got the paper's got to come to life at some point, and I think that they're starting to realize, look, angles, concepts of where you're supposed to be, and why, and why is the defensive structure doing this to us? And I think that's part of the growth in an offense um, as far as running the ball is concerned. I think, that, you know, taking that moving forward, we should be better moving forward as we move along. Speaking of growth, um, we've seen you insert a six lineman at times. Justin McCray has been that guy, but we've also gotten a quick look at, at the potential of a guy like Wyatt Teller playing. Um, how do you feel about the guys who are not in your starting five but have the potential to play? Oh, I think very much so. That's why we're using them, you know. And, uh, I mean, last week we used seven. We used all seven. Did you know that? You saw that too. Okay, good. No, but I mean, we've had you seven. We had we used them all last week. So we obviously trust anyone who's dressing, obviously, to be able to perform at the level, wherever they need to be, you know. I mean, and again, being flexible, I was just asked over there, but, you know, like like having some flexibility, you know, with Justin and uh, um, Wyatt, getting him up to speed with that, it helps you a ton. What kind of adjustment period does a guy like that go through when they just get here right before the season? Well, I, you know, I have never had to do that. I'm sure it's difficult a little bit, but you know, if if you make things, you, you really it helps when you have you have to make the other people accountable, the players too, to help the person because we can coach it and everything's fine. But when they're out there playing, you better rely on the guy next to you. Say, hey, what concept was that? What am I, you know, <laughs> you know what that terminology? Because a lot of it might be a similar play or a concept from a different team, and they come here, it's just a different word. I say, well, it's just a different word. Yeah, but it's like a different word. So it's, uh, you know, it's not like learning a different language, but in some instances it is. So you have to um, really rely on the people around them when someone gets inserted, has to play uh, on short notice. Do you think, um, you know, a week like this where you can kind of take a little bit off physically can help with that kind of process? Oh, I do a lot. Yes, I think it helps a ton. You, you take the mental aspects of it, clean up your stuff, and. When you're away, you know, away from here. That's what I mean. It's, 
no one, everyone likes to say, oh, yeah, I'm just going to get away from football. And you're not. I mean, you're resting your body, taking little breaks with your head and, and moving along, you know. But, uh, you know, you can always mentally go take an hour or two and pull out your playbook and see what the story is. On the defensive side, let's move over to that side of the football. Defensively, Gribble, what have you liked? What worries you a little bit through six games of the season? I think the thing I like, and this is what uh, we'll get to with our conversation with Joe Witt, the best thing that they've done is pretty much limited the explosive plays in the passing game. You've had some catch and runs for some big gains, but you really haven't let them get over the top of you, and that's without having to play a safety 30 yards off the ball. Uh, So they've been good at limiting that, especially considering you've been with your backup corners uh, ever since week three. So I think that's a positive. I think the the negative right now is you're not forcing enough turnovers. And I I just think the games, like the Ravens game, you did a good job of that. Uh, Even the Rams game, you did that kept you in the game by forcing turnovers. You're just not seeing that enough. And I think that could be a byproduct of your corners maybe sagging off and and not playing as tight to their man because they don't want to get beat down the field. So I just think that's that's something that needs to improve uh, over these next few weeks because you've got to get some situations where you're setting up your offense with some short fields, uh, especially when they're when they're going through the issues they are right now. I think we saw a good example of of how a turnover can affect the game. Even though it didn't produce an immediate touchdown, the fumble in last week's game ends up you're down on onto the goal line and, and should score a touchdown there. And then you could really count the next sequence of events as a, like a quasi turnover because. The punt that you know you forced out of the back of a, of a short end zone uh, it went out at the 24. So, I mean, it, that's basically where you would have an interception if they're trying to throw the ball out of the end zone anyway. So I count that almost as, as a turnover, and then you end up scoring off of that. So the more you can do that, the more you know the higher chance you have of success, but it's easier said than done. What bothers you? What do you like? Uh, the last two weeks, the, the run defense needs to be better. Um, I, I think that uh, San Francisco did a very good job of blocking up, you know, their plays. I mean, Kyle Juszczyk is a huge part of that offense. I know he got hurt, but uh, he, was, he was probably the most important player not named Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense just because of the many things that he does in the passing and the run game. And the way that his block is really the one, it's the cherry on top. It's the one that finishes the masterpiece and then opens a huge hole for a big run. And I think that the Browns were fell victim to that a lot, and, and they kind of talked about it uh, you know, in, in the days that followed that they tried to get too cute in matching what the Niners were doing instead of sticking to what they do and forcing the Niners to adjust accordingly. So um, you know, that was a glaring concern. And then the Seahawks, you know, it, they didn't really rip off a ton of big plays, but gradually they rushed for a good amount of yards last week. So I think you need to get better at that. That's what's concerning. But Overall, I mean, I like the way that this defense has played. You've given up 30-plus in the last two games. The last game became a shootout, and you got drilled in time of possession, so your offense isn't doing you any favors. You know, it's a seven-minute difference, and you're going to end up gassed in situations like that, which is why I wasn't entirely surprised that Russell Wilson led them down the field and scored that touchdown at the end of the game. But um, overall, I think they've done a good job of keeping this team in the game as the offense has tried to figure it out. That's what's most encouraging. Also encouraging is the fact that you're going to get Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams back. And that should make your secondary a lot better. And last week was the first time that they didn't really play up to par. So you get them back. Hopefully you get stronger in the back end. You can limit the total amount of yards gained by an opponent, the total amount of points scored, and then you get a better chance of winning a game. Gribble, uh, did I, do we get to you on what you did like from this defense? Or yeah, I, I don't like they, – they've, they've minimized the explosive plays. I think that's fine. And I think that you're, you're getting – I think you're getting what you wanted out of your defensive line to an extent uh, with pressuring the passer. It seems like 
truly the, the games where they've gotten the worst amount of pass rushes, these games against these patchwork offensive lines. The Titans game and the Seahawks game. I mean, yeah, they're you're almost better off with their whole hey, starting there, five in there. Yeah, there, 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 was, there was moments in that Seahawks game where it's like, there's no one even getting close to Russell Wilson. He's not even moving. And, and I think that's – so I'd say the, the pass rush has been a little inconsistent. Uh, it's hard to be great every single game. But I think we're – I think that Olivier Vernon is taking a lot of undue criticism because of the, the numbers. I think that it's – I think he's having an impact on the game. I think he, he had an impact this past game against the Seahawks. I, you just need to see it all come together uh, and really kind of wreck a game uh, with uh, – and, and getting the pass rush. I think there there could be an opportunity against the Patriots. I don't I don't think their offensive line is great by any means, and Tom doesn't move. So yes, I, I think that, that that's, that's the there's the, there's an opportunity <laughs> to start you know really getting pinning your ears back and getting after these quarterbacks, uh, and and that's a Patriots offense that's really not playing all that well. Uh, they're they're relying on their defense. So uh, I I think the pass rush can be better. I, I still think they've handled the adversity with with the amount of injuries they've had pretty well. Uh, but you've you've got to be a little bit better than you've been these last couple of weeks. I think that the Browns have gone through quite a gauntlet defensively uh, for opposing offenses. They've faced pretty much every style of offense you could have in these first six games, and they've also faced a, a, a who's who of quarterbacks. I mean, you've got you know Russell Wilson last week, the week before Jimmy Garoppolo. You faced Jared Goff. You had to deal with the many different artistic stylings of Lamar Jackson. Um, I mean, it's it's been a struggle. And yeah, Marcus Mariota has been benched in Tennessee, but he still brought that mobility that you had to account for as well. The only time you really got a break at quarterback is when you played the Jets. So, I, you know, it's it's been a lot to prepare for, and I think they've handled it well. I think that Tom Brady is probably the least mobile quarterback they're going to face since uh, Trevor Simeon slash Luke Falk in Week 2, and I think that could bode well. But, uh, you know, numbers-wise, it's not really, you know, on Olivier Vernon. He's affecting the game more than one way. And and the rotational guys up front have done well. I mean, Deverell Lawrence has played very well. Daniel Qualley has done his job in spots. I just think it's a matter of playing complementary football for this entire team, which they got close to doing on Sunday. They just need to be better at. For more on the defensive side of the football, namely the pass game and the secondary, Joe Witt, the pass game coordinator and secondary coach, had a chance to sit down with Andrew Gribble. Have a listen. All right, Coach, six games in. You've had a few moving pieces in the secondary because of some injuries. How do you think you guys have, have held up through this time? I mean, our record's two and four, so, you know, we we did good for two games. Four games, we didn't do enough. You know, it's about winning. That's what this league is about. So, you know, that's that's all I focus on. How do you think the guys responded, especially, though, with that week three game when you had four starters out? How, did those guys respond the way you, you expected them to? I mean, I've been in the NFL, I guess, going on 14 years now, and the thing that you have to understand is everybody has to be ready. I mean, the, all these guys are, are quality players. Um, we expect – the next guy to come and perform uh, to a winning performance. So I don't get caught up in necessarily who's out there. I just got to get caught up in the result. The result right now is two and four, uh, so we have to do better. When you watch Denzel and Greedy at practice these last few weeks, how, how badly do those guys want to get back and, and helping you guys out there? That's a great question for them. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. I can't speak for them. Um, that's something you have to ask them how badly they want to get out here. How much could them coming back help this secondary out though? You know, like I just said, you know, it's about winning. And so their skill sets lend to that. They have uh, they have length, they have speed, they have some things. But the guys that have been out there playing have also have skill sets that lead to winning. So um, once they get back out there and if we start winning games, then I can say, you know, they, they were a factor to that or not. But other than us winning, I don't want to – 
you know, talk about them coming back or, or the, the men that we have. You know, we're a unit. We play as one. Uh, we don't put one person above the other. I know it's an emphasis every week, every game, but but the, the focus on takeaways, how much does that take come into focus here going the second half of the season? We, we have to do a better job of pulling the ball off of people. Um, we've had uh, a couple opportunities with the ball in our hands. We haven't come down with them. Um, that's part of what we need to do. Uh, we punch the ball out, intercept it, whatever you have to do to get it. And that's what we need to do. We have to do a better job in that area. I've seen Demarius and Morgan Burnett getting in the backfield a lot. That's not something that Demarius has done here uh, in previous years. But what is it about this defense that enables them to make plays in the backfield like that? Uh, Steve's defense is multiple. I mean, it sends multiple people. Uh, you know, Demarius had his first two first sack here. You know, and and so. I believe he has two. I believe Morgan has two. Um, you know, Whitehead has a pressure. So you have you have a number of different people coming, and um, and that's that's just a credit to Steve Wilkes and 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 the, the defense that 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 he has installed that gives multiple people opportunities to to get to the quarterback, gets the quarterback a number of different looks. Um, I believe that's why I, feel, I believe we're fourth in sacks right now, and it's not just coming from. You know, one group of, you know, it's coming from a, a number of different levels, the D-line, linebackers, and the secondary. What have you thought of the leadership from the player standpoint in that room? And you got some veteran guys in there. How, how much has that helped uh, you guys get through this part of the set, schedule? Um, you know, leadership's always good. We have quality men, you know, T.J. Carey, uh, Jermaine Whitehead, Morgan Burnett. Those guys have done a great job of, um, you know, Eric Murray. They have done just a great job of um, taking the young guys and, and, and teaching them what it is to be a pro, um, how to work, how to practice. And now we just have to, you know, translate that to wins. You had a relationship with Jermaine Whitehead before coming here. How, how has he seized this opportunity so far and, and what's been kind of maybe his most opportunity yet as a pro? Um, I mean, Jermaine is a pro. He's a good football player. Um, he's very smart and, you know, he helps everybody around him. So I, I'm not surprised at all. I'm, I've been pleased with Jermaine. And then as a coach, what do you do during this bye week with your guys when you're maybe not looking forward to an opponent just yet? How, how do you do this, this self-scout and get your guys better? Um, we just, we, right now, we're focusing on what we've done good and what we've done bad, where do we need to improve. And so that's, that's, what we, that's really what we're focused on, on, on us, you know, each individual player and as a group. And then point to one thing you may be done good and one thing you really want to see get better over the second half. Um, you know, explosive passes, we haven't really given up many. Um, you know, the ones that we have given up it may have been catch a run element. And then, um, you know, like we, get, we need to force more turnovers. You know, we, we have to do a better job in that area. All right, let's get a quick thought from both of you on, on the special teams and Mike Prefer. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the best unit so far uh, through six games <laughs> on this football team. And, uh, who would have thunk it with two rookie kickers uh, when we first uh, – when we – Gribble, when you and I sat in this room <laughs> on cutdown day and and, dis- <laughs> yeah. and said, all right, we're going to go with two rookie kickers. Buckle up. Let's Here see Here we happens. go. Yeah, they've been they've been better than I think we could have ever imagined. And I think that they, they've been fine. You had a punt block this past week. It didn't really get you beat. That's the key thing. I, th- I don't know if special teams has necessarily won you a game yet. I mean, you can make the argument that even though you were going to win that game, no matter what, special teams really had an impact on that Jets game. I mean, they put the Jets in, in field, position, field position that that whole game, but but they haven't. They certainly have not lost you a game this season. You've missed a couple extra points at home, but otherwise been really good on field goals. I don't think there's any uh, lack of trust in your kicker right now, which is a major sign of improvement for this team over the last few years. Uh, and Jamie Gillen has it in him to truly flip the field. Uh, which he did uh, on Sunday with his one punt that he was able to get off. 
and and you've overall you're you're covering punts and kicks as well as you have in years. So it, it's really a testament to coaching, uh, and and I think that a buy-in from some of these players. And I also think it compared to past years. I this is purely anecdotal, and I'm just throwing this out there. You haven't had the same roster churn at the bottom of your roster this year. You've had about the same guys out there all year, and I think that's had a big impact. There's something it. to be said for that. Yeah, cohesiveness can go a long way. Yeah, uh, just saying. <laughs> I, first off, Jamie Gillen is uh, a dream for a guy like Jim Tressel, for example. He's like, it's like his his greatest dream. He ever woke up from the next day. He's like, oh my god, I have a punter who could send it a net of sixty five to seventy yards, you know, once or twice a game, and really put you help you win the field position battle, which I think has really helped the Browns more through uh, the first six games than I think we realized if you went back and really looked at it. And you're like, wow, you know that that punt put them in much better position. Uh, you'd see how much he's impacting the game. But, yeah, you know, I think the one thing that was missing until this last game was the return game. They, you know, they're really – teams had done well of covering uh, uh, punts, especially with Jarvis Landry back there returning punts and the one time Odell Beckham returned a punt. And and they were covering kicks as well. And then you finally got a spark on the first, uh, you know, opening play of, of a game, and it produced seven points basically because you scored three plays later. So – uh, the more you can do that, obviously, is going to bode well for your team, but it was encouraging to see that they have the capability of doing that, which they haven't done so far, but they've been lights out everywhere else. Be honest, how much? How long did you guys look at the field to try to find a flag on that Dontre Hilliard oh, uh, return? At least I was looking seconds. everywhere. Yeah. I was like, if you go back and look at the Jim Donovan clip, because we have the camera in the booth, I'm not looking at the play. He's looking this way, and I'm you're looking, looking this way. Yes. <laughs> it was the same thing on the Chubb touchdown. <laughs> well, it's not just a reflection of our history. It's more a reflection of how hard it is to return a kick in the NFL. Yes. I mean, it's just it's, you just don't see plays like that anymore. Oh, I think yeah. that's the reason why Dontrell, I think he leads the league in kickoff return yards, because of that one play. And, and to think, if he hadn't stumbled in open field, he probably would have scored. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> and the crazy thing was the Bengals returned a kick at the exact same time for a touchdown. It, it, the AFC North was was figuring things out, returning kicks at the exact same Special time. Special teams division of the year. Yeah. Perfect. I'll go with that. All right, let's get a few awards in here real quick. Just some accolades. We're six games in. Again, as John Dorsey said yesterday, there's a ton of football left to be played. Through six games, though, outstanding offensive player. Gribble, we'll start with you. It's an easy one. It's Nick Chubb. What do you got? I, I was going to go with the same thing. I mean, I just knew he was going first, so he'd get the credit for it. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, I'll give you. I'll give no, you. No, no, it's fine because it's obvious. There's no, there's no question. There's no argument. There's no debate. All right. Is the runner-up Jarvis Landry? Yeah, I would say so. I, I think he's done. Uh, well, could you? I, sure. I, I'm, I was leaning on you to maybe pick a guy like Joel Batonio, but I, I don't know enough to say that if he's been eh, the second best. I mean, a lot of Nick Chubb's big plays have been a product of, of. Solid run blocking, Farrell Brown and Demetrius Harris doing a really good job on the edge. And also Nick Chubb having excellent vision and being a very decisive and explosive runner. So I'll hold, I'll save that. I think it is Jarvis Landry. I, I, I think he provided an a emotional boost in the win over Baltimore with his performance and his attitude and the way he carries himself during a game. I think he's probably going to have to be even more vocal of a leader than he is at this point. Um, but I think he sets the example with the way that he carries himself and – uh, I, I hopefully the rest of the team can kind of embody his spirit because if they can, they're going to come out of the gate like gangbusters and run off some wins and and make a lot of people happy. I think I think Odell and Jarvis have been about equal because I think they've both been a little hot cold yeah. in some of these games, and that's not really a reflection on their personal play, but just how the game has worked. I mean, Jarvis had the one big game against Baltimore. Odell had has had two big games. It's been kind of a mix of both. You really haven't gotten both of them going at the same time. 
I don't know if you really can. I mean, the only team that seems to get two receivers going at the same time is Tampa, and do you really want to be like Tampa? No. It's not. I mean, that's no. not. It's it's more of a fantasy football thing than it is a winning football yeah. thing. When you get both receivers in these high numbers, that means you're probably playing from behind. Usually, it's going to be one or the other, and I think that's the way it's been so far this season. I think I think the advantage in having those guys is not that you want each of them to go for you know eight for 115 and two touchdowns each and put up 50 points. It's that they have the potential for either of them to do it because it just makes game planning for your offense so much more difficult for a defense and then opens up so much more. I mean, on Ricky Seals-Jones' touchdown against the Seahawks last week, Odell ran two guys off him. I mean, he ran. He had a man on him, and he ran him to the to the goalpost. And then there was a safety who was trailing Ricky across the field who might have had deep third responsibility, saw Odell running that way, took two steps which would be basically be east, but if you're looking north-south on the field, he went north toward the goalpost, and that was all the space that was needed, not only for Ricky to catch the ball, but then to go in untouched because by the time that defender recovered, there was no way he was catching him before the end zone. So that's the impact a guy like Odell has. Jarvis can have that same impact if he's been going off, and I think that's where the real danger lies, and you just hope that it, you know, it starts to string together some wins. I'll start with you. Outstanding defensive player through six games. You know, I mean, Miles is the easy pick here because he's got a, he's tied for the league lead in sacks with nine. But I'm going to go with Joe Schobert um, because he's just been a very reliable uh, quarterback of this defense. I think he's helped Mac Wilson get acclimated more than people might realize after the loss of Kirk, Christian Kirksey. And he's had some really good games statistically. I mean, the Jets game, what did he come away with, like 16 tackles 16, or something 17, like that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy to think of. And he's been there to uh, recover some timely fumbles and make some plays and – and he's been, I think, a good uh, pacemaker for this entire defense. So while there are other players who are making a bigger contribution, maybe statistically or maybe when you think back to a game, I think no one is more steady than Joe Schobert right now. I'll go with the easy answer. It's Miles Garrett. He has nine sacks. Somehow gets taken for granted, especially by one fan earlier this week. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's just it's uh, that's a historic pace. Uh, it, it's crazy that both him and Jack Barrett have nine sacks. Yeah. I mean, they're on pace to potentially break the NFL record this season. I mean, that, that's really good. He's going to shatter the Browns' record this season if he can stay healthy and stay on the field all 16 games. Uh, he, he's been really good. And the fact that he can have a game where he, this past week where he had two sacks and everyone's like, yeah, two sacks, really talking man. About man, he's just been really, really good. He's only had one game where he didn't get a sack, and that was in San Francisco. He's having a consistent impact on the game, uh, and he's one of the NFL's best pass rushers, if not the best right now. We we had a question during the the whip before last game. Uh, what can he do to elevate himself to serious consideration for NFL Defensive Player of the Year? And I think the only thing that he can do more than he's doing right now is to affect the game so much that you have to account for him on every single play. And, and I think he make he'll you know he'll make those tackles against the run, but it's to the point where you have to account for multiple blockers even and, and try to run away from him. And I think he's almost there. He's not quite there yet, but he's almost there. He's definitely there in the passing game. And, and I think once he gets to that point, that's when you're really going to start hearing about him outside of just uh, the Cleveland area. All right, newcomer award. Free agent or draftee that's made the biggest impact through six games. Gribble, we'll start with you. Uh, I'll go with Ricky Seals-Jones, the team leader in touchdown catches right now with two. If you had that, congratulations. Yeah, I think he, you should just you I'll, should I'll, go to Vegas. There have been better players, but I think he's been thrust into a role that he might not have expected, and now he's – Helped. He's your number one tight end, and he was a waiver claim before the start of the season. And uh, I think he's given you – he doesn't have kind of the, the same crazy athleticism that David Njoku has, but uh, right now, now that he's in the flow of the offense and getting up to upwards of near 50 snaps a game, 
he's given you what you need out of that position and, and a real pass-catching threat at tight end that is complemented nicely with Farrah Brown, who continues to grow as a blocking tight end. I think he's been he's filled the, the void nicely, and I, I think he, he's everything you need until the joke is ready to come back. I've actually been, I've been very blown away by Farrell Brown's improvement as a blocker and just the way it like st- it's actually starting to stand out on, on the tape too, which is remarkable to consider when, when we thought, you know, in training camp he might have been a bubble guy. And, and now I think he's an important part of this offense as both a fullback and a tight end or an H-back, whatever you want to call him. Uh, my answer to this question, though, is, is I'm going to stick with defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson, who has not appeared in the sack category. He, he's had a couple sacks stolen from him. Definitely had a half sack stolen from him on he'll Sunday. He'll tell you that, too. We'll give it to Miles. Yeah, he will. He will t- he'll tell you three <laughs> times. We'll give it to Miles, but he was definitely in on that sack. Um, but he's he's affected the game. He, he has been somebody that you've had to account for uh, when considering the B gap or the A gap. And, uh, and he's even moved around well. I mean, he, he ended up rushing as a wide nine on the play that was a strip sack of Jared Goff. And resulted in you know a turnover, a key turnover, uh, and takeaway for the Browns in that Week Three game. Um, and he's, I mean, if you see him, you, you wouldn't expect him to be coming off the edge. But that's how athletic he is, and how much he can affect the game. So I think he's done a good job of plugging up the gap, and also being someone who can take on two blockers and still make an impact, which you cannot be said about all nose tackles. Has freed up the other guys. Larry has benefited from it. Larry Ogunjobi has benefited from it. Uh, Miles and Olivier Vernon have also benefited from it. So I think he was. If you thought about your defensive line, you thought where are we missing a piece? He has filled that spot extremely well even if it doesn't show up statistically finally guys uh finals final thoughts keys if the browns are going to turn this around at two and four there's 10 games left if the browns are going to make a playoff run i'm not going to say get to the playoffs the browns can control a lot of this stuff what's the biggest key to getting this team back on track getting them above 500 and having uh, having the kind of year that we all thought at the beginning of the year that they were capable of having. Gribble? Uh, I'm going to throw the number 50% out there. If you drop your turnovers and penalties by 50%, I think you can get to the playoffs. I think it's as simple as that. That's what's holding this team back uh, both offensively and defensively because I think even the defense doesn't escape the blame with the, with the penalties. Their penalties have been untimely. And truly, I, again, I'm throwing this completely off my top of my head. It seems like whenever there's a drive on defense where they have a penalty, they're giving up points. Like they they just aren't able to overcome these yeah. penalties on defense, and uh, they're they're backbreakers. And I think that you're still going to commit penalties. That's a byproduct of being an aggressive team. Uh, if you just cut those in half, so you're not the league leader anymore in both penalties and penalty yardage, cut the turnovers in half, which I think is more likely than cutting the penalties in half. That gets you in a better position. You're going to win some of these games that you lost early in the year. Yeah, I think the turnover – well, actually, you know, it's funny. Logically, you would think that the penalties are more controllable, but then sometimes you find yourself in instances like Sunday where you think you make a good block in the open field and you get flagged for it. So it's not always that simple, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but <laughs> I will say that uh, it's, I, I would like to know if the numbers bear that out, what you said, because it seems like every time that they make – and it's especially the catastrophic penalties, the 15-yarders are the ones that are, result in automatic first downs, especially on third down when you're this close to getting off the field and getting your offense for the ball back. And I think that's true for anybody, but it seems to be especially true for this team. I, I want to know what the, the average number of penalties per game is. I don't know what it is off the top of my head because it's a little bit skewed with the amount of penalties you had in week one. But I would imagine that it's near the league lead. So if you can, like Gribble said, if you can cut that in, in half, I think that would greatly improve your chances. The games in which the Browns have won – they have been low in penalties. I mean, it's just a basic formula of how to win games. But I think the turnovers thing is is more, perhaps even more controllable. But you also have to take a certain amount of risk to find success in this league. So, you know, is that going to come down? We'll see. 
Um, I think it's it's more just consistency. And you found it on defense. You lost it a little bit in the last couple of weeks. I think some of that was a product of being on the field too much last week. Um, you just got punched right in the mouth in San Francisco and, and did not recover. But you need to be more consistent on both sides of the football. I think, again, the emphasis is on playing complementary football. And I think right now two of the three phases are doing their job, and I think that the offensive phase needs to step it up. And I think that you'll get on that track as long as you know you take advantage of this week and come out strong because I think that's going to be important. At two and four, it's the world is not over. You know, you said I'm not going to you know say about making the playoffs. Well, we'll talk about it. That's the goal. Let's talk about making the playoffs. What can they do to make the playoffs? Move the football consistently. Give your defense a chance to not be on the field all afternoon. And uh, grab another lead early, and this time hang on. Final thoughts? Anybody else with anything quick before we get out of here and go enjoy a three-day weekend? I think if you win four of your five division games, you're in the playoffs. Ooh. That, that's, hey. that's the key, though, right? Because you have played no division opponents except Baltimore, and you're 1-0 in the division right now. So you win four more. Four more. Yeah, go 5-1. So five you're and one. talking 5-1 in yeah. the AFC North. You lose one division game. You lose one more out of the division. That's ten and six. Uh, you're probably yeah, yeah. It's I a mean, tall ask in yeah. the larger picture, but if you take it week one by of the, week, one of the four has to be against Baltimore. Yes, Let's throw that out there. You cannot tie yeah. with them and make the playoffs. You have to sweep them. No pressure. Good news. <laughs> they come to our place for Christmas. Yeah, so, so that'll be a good thing. That would be a heck of a gift. Yeah, indeed. All right. We hope you enjoy your bye week. We're back with you next week as we start to preview the New England Patriots. Log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe today to the best podcast available. Enjoy your weekend. We're back with you next week. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.